This is Artist Soapbox. Through interviews and original scripted audio fiction, we deliver stories that speak to your hearts and your minds. Hey friends, it's Tamara here. I hope you enjoyed the previous episode introducing two of our new guest hosts, Lormera Jones and Griffin James. I'm back once more before I hand the mic over to introduce two more guest hosts this season, Juliana Finch and Mara Thomas. Yes, yes, yes. If you've been a longtime listener of Artist Soapbox, then you will likely already know Juliana and Mara. Of course, you can also read their bios on our updated and very awesome Artist Soapbox website. But in the meantime, here are some bits and bobs about these two wonderful humans. Juliana Finch has spent almost two decades writing and performing songs and getting up to various theater and film-adjacent shenanigans. She has released five albums, performed at music festivals and venues all over the country, and loves having Durham as her home base. Juliana is on the writing team for Artist Soapbox's Jesus Pancake and can be heard as a voice actor in Crocodile Twins and in several other audio dramas. She also wrote the Artist Soapbox theme song that you are enjoying so much in this episode, and Juliana suggested that we call some of our merch Artist Soap Socks. I mean, we do have socks in the ASBX store, Artist Soap Socks. (laughs) I love that. It makes me laugh so much. Mara Thomas has been following their curiosity down many different paths for the past 20 years. In that time, they have been a musician, actor, voiceover artist, creativity coach, and playwright. Mara's original plays have been performed in The Triangle and New York City, and they have held creative writing residencies in Hudson, New York, and Martha's Vineyard. Along with their creative pursuits, Mara is a somatic therapist in private practice in Durham. Mara has written over two dozen blog posts on the Artist Soapbox website, been interviewed as a guest, been an interviewer, released two solo episodes, and voice acted in one of the Declaration of Love episodes. Like Juliana, they are on the Jesus Pancake writing team. Mara is undeniably an ASBX rock star. In this episode, you'll hear these two friends introduce themselves and each other. You'll get a sense of their style and vibe and what they'll be focusing on in their individual episodes this season. Just like Lormerov and Griffin, Juliana and Mara are two of my favorite people. I know you will love them too. I'm so grateful they have agreed to step in as hosts. Enjoy this episode. And here we are. I'm so excited to be here with you, Juliana. It is great to get to talk to you. I wish we could be hanging out in person, but this is the next best thing. Agreed. Yes. And as we talked about this opportunity to get to sort of interview one another, have a conversation, we were both like, yeah, it won't take us long to fill this time. No. (laughs) We both talk a lot, especially to each other. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to be furthering our friendship and creative connection through this new undertaking of being part of the Artist Soapbox podcast team. And I would love to hear you share a little bit about what your ideas are for themes or content that you want to talk about as a podcast host. Yeah, I I love that we got to be on a writing team together right before the pandemic started. And now we're getting to be on a podcast team together. 
So yeah, the, the theme that I want to focus on is this idea of writer's block, which I have feelings about, and the sort of what I think is the natural lull in the creative process, this fallow period between being really productive and then not being so productive. And I think a lot of us artists stigmatize that fallow period and really beat ourselves up about it when it's a normal part of the process and it happens to all of us. So I'm going to be talking to a series of writers of different types, screenwriters, songwriters, novelists, who are talking about what happens to them when they deal with that lull and how they get out of it and what it feels like. I just want to normalize that process. What about you, Mara? Well, first, I just want to say I love that reframe as a person who struggled with that myself. Just I'm not productive enough. I'm not really creating. I'm not doing enough. And it's like, no, this is part of it. This is part of the cycle. And so I'm so grateful that you're going to dive into that. And I can't wait to hear what your guests bring to the table. It's exciting. For my part, I am going to be focusing on the intersection of mental health and creativity, which it's one of those like in hindsight, all of the blog pieces and so much that so much of the work that I've been doing with Artist Soapbox over the years, that's what it was about. And I just didn't know it. So mm. I'm really interested to, you know, unpack some of the ways that fear, you know, interacts with the creative process and, and the, the ways that we talk about mental health and creativity. You know, I'm just, there's so much to explore there. I really can't wait to see how that unfolds. And then sort of part and parcel to that, but maybe a little bit of a subtopic is I really want to dive into talking about money, financial reality of being an artist and, you know, all of the baggage that so many of us have around asking for money, charging what we're worth, you know, thinking that our art is worth anything at all. Like all of these topics just feel so, you know, so loaded for so many people that I, just like you said, I'd love to just normalize that conversation and realize that so many of us are struggling with it. And is there a way that we could struggle less collectively? I I hope so. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) Yeah. When I saw what your topic was going to be, I was so excited because I had also noticed with your guest episodes and your blog posts over the past few years, that that was a theme that you were coming back to again and again. And I think it's great that we're each talking about something we're excited about. Also, I have a long-running war with this trope of the starving artist, and, mm-hmm. and I, I hate it. I hate that we glorify mm-hmm. you know, this idea that we're supposed to struggle and that when an artist is successful, they quote-unquote sell out. I would love to sell out, you know, call me Disney or whatever. <laughs> like, let's, let's give more people, you know, I want full well-fed artists instead of starving artists. So I think that conversation is really important. Yes. Yes. To all of that. I've heard Tamara say it before, you know, some, somewhere along the, the way on the podcast, like, oh, so who supported you in your dream of becoming a dentist? You know, we don't ever talk about it that way. It's, you know, if you want to have a career as an artist, there's got to be someone there to to help you because Lord knows you can't make it yourself, you know, as far as like the financial piece of it. So, ha, yeah. yeah, lots to explore. And I think a lot, too, about this idea that people really 
it's not that they don't love the work. I mean, everybody loves music. Everybody loves Mm -hmm. reading. But when it comes to actually supporting the person who's creating that work, there's this sense now, and it's complicated too with the internet and everything. Like there's this sense that it's supposed to be free because it's on the internet. Right. And that's a whole other, (laughs) that's maybe a whole other series. Mm -hmm. But this idea that like it didn't come out of the ether. It came from a person and that person should get compensated. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, we're probably going to have multiple seasons worth of ideas if we keep <laughs> keep spooling it out. That's so, so great. So yeah, talking about our art and our creative process, I kind of want to get into what we've been up to. I know the last couple of years have been strange, to say the least. And for a lot of creative folks, I know we've been sort of all over the map with whether we felt productive or whether we haven't during this time. And how have you been? How's your how's your art been? Hmm. Wow. Good question. And good question. Because I, I never really know how to answer that on a day to day basis. You know, since the pandemic, things have really been all over the place for me, which it felt like such a crash because 2019 was one of the most creatively fulfilling years of my life. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, oh, things are going up and up and up and up. And just I was doing things that I love to do. I was playing in a band again. We were playing great shows. And then slam, you know, the door slams on everybody and everything or just in the way that we were accustomed to it being. And I think it took a long time for me to acknowledge just how sad I was about that. And, you know, and the just that omnipresent feeling of anxiety and uncertainty. And it's really hard for me to connect with things that I love and bring me joy when I just, there's all this ambient anxiety around me. Like in the Mm -hmm. past two years, I couldn't, could probably count on one hand the number of times I've picked up my guitar, which is really strange. So I feel disconnected from that and, you know, from writing as well. I know that I'm really a deadline driven person. So when I'm just existing in this space of no deadlines and nothing on the horizon. And then it's just like, all right, well, I'm going to dig in the garden and make food and do other things with my life. And then when it's time to do those things again, this is kind of circling back to your your point about the the fallow times. I feel like the fallow time was thrust upon me, but I'm trying to, I can see now glimpses of it coming back and and feeling like, all right, I'm ready. You know, that was enough time and I'm 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 ready to like get in front of the microphone in in several different aspects of my life now. Yeah, and I think it was different from what I consider like a normal fallow period because mm. of that ambient anxiety you were talking about. There's a sense of allowing us to rest, but none of us were really resting in mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, feeling relaxed. So the normal thing that happens after this period of allowing yourself to rest and not be productive is that you start to want to make things again. But if you've never gotten to that point of real rest, it doesn't happen. I know for one, I was looking at people releasing albums during the pandemic and I was like, F you. Like, <laughs> I had yeah. a little bit of jealousy. But mm-hmm. then I also realized like, you know, if they're able to access this this during that time, that's actually great for them. Like I'm happy for them. But I just, it just pointed back to myself that I was really missing it and really feeling sad. And like you, I barely picked up my guitar. 
I was grateful to have online shows that I was already doing. I've been playing shows online for 10 years at this point. And so I didn't have to relearn all this. I didn't have to learn all this new technology to be able to stream, which I saw a lot of people have this learning curve that was frankly another stressor on them. But sometimes those monthly shows were the only time I had picked up my guitar, like maybe the day before to make a set list and practice Mm -hmm. a little bit. But that was pretty much it. And like you just now, you know, the springtime energy is kind of getting to me and I'm thinking, oh, I want to I want to write something a little bit. I want to play a little bit for fun. And one of the ways I took the stress off myself was not to necessarily feel like I had to write something new, but just to tell myself like, okay, I'm going to put half an hour on my calendar and I'm all I have to do is pick up my guitar. Right. I just have to sit with it. Yep. Rather than being like, oh my gosh, you haven't written a song in two years. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, and I also got really good at gardening. Like, <laughs> I think you, you, you got chickens. I got a vegetable yes. garden. We're, <laughs> we're just farmers now is what we've done. But you and I also both started a new adventure during the pandemic. We both decided to go back to school. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, thank you. Yes, and this is kind of feeds into my focus area for the podcast, which is about mental health. I am somewhat qualified to talk about this in a in a new way because I went back to school to NC State to get my master's in clinical mental health counseling as part of a midlife career pivot into, you know, being a therapist. That's my ultimate goal. Um, and it's, you know, that that's another way that I feel like this has been the channel for my creativity in these past two years. Even things like writing papers for school, which maybe it isn't the same, doesn't quite feel the same as writing plays or writing songs, but it's still, it was enough, especially given the, the anxiety, like you mentioned, you know, because it, it, it wasn't just this period of time where I wasn't creating. It's like, your words come back to me a lot when you said, this isn't downtime. This is a mm-hmm. global pandemic. It's like, yes, thank you. Like, I need to just remind myself to not frame it in this, this productivity way that we've all been, or so many of us have been socialized into. Anyway, going back to the school thing, I'm, I'm really excited. At this point, the time of this recording, I am about done with year two out of three. So a year from now, I will be, you know, I'll have a license in my pocket, so to speak. And I'm already starting to work with clients as part of my internship process, which is a mandatory part of my learning. And it's just been so rewarding. I'm like this, oh, this 40 years of my life in retrospect is all starting to make sense. This is where it was leading. And uh, it's been Just I've felt more certain about this path than just about anything ever in my life. So I've been super grateful for for this time. You know, and then part of it is like it's 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 okay that this time hasn't been about music, it hasn't been about plays, because I've been able to just focus on this and know that this is the time to do the school thing. I always think about it in terms of like plate spinning. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. the music plate isn't spinning right now. The creative writing plate isn't really spinning, but the school one got picked up for the first time in 20 years, and we're going to do that for a while. And we know, because we're old enough and we have perspective, that the music thing is going to come back. It's fine. It's okay to just let it be for a while. Yeah, and I'm just so excited about going down you know, this new journey. It's been really rewarding. 
and and I'm not the only one. So why don't you share a little bit about your endeavor? Yeah. Well, like you, I decided after a 20-year hiatus to go back to school. I'm finishing my undergrad that I started in 2001. And this actually started for me a little bit before the pandemic because I had a pretty severe hand injury in the fall of 2019 and had this moment of, wow, what if I can never play again? What Mm -hmm. if I can never play guitar again? And I look back now and it sounds very weird to say, but I'm grateful that this happened to me before the pandemic so that I wasn't hit with the full force of that when things were shut down. At the same time, I had just spent six months, I had a couple surgeries and then I had a lot of physical therapy. And right at the beginning of March, the end of February 2020 is when I was starting to be able to play a little bit again. I played Mm. my first show at February 27th, 2020. Mm. And then it was two weeks later, no more shows, you know, for a couple of years. So I was in the fall and going into January really thinking about if I can't play anymore, ever potentially, what do I do? What is my relationship to music? What's my relationship to my own identity outside of being a songwriter and a performer? And what do I want going forward? And something I just always really wanted to do was just finish Mm. undergrad. It wasn't necessarily a career-driven thing. It was just this thing that was always in the back of my mind. I would really love to do this one day. So I decided to enroll in January 2020 and my classes for that first semester were all online anyway. So that was also something I was really grateful for once March happened and everyone had to shift. And every step of the way, I've just said, well, I'll just do this. You know, I'm just going to finish my community college. I'll just do an associates and then see how I feel. And and I did that. And then I went on to get a bachelor. You know, I'll, I'll be getting a bachelor's in December. And then the goal was, well, I'll just see how this feels. And now I'm possibly looking at master's programs, you know, so it's become a whole thing. And like you, like being able to write papers has been really nice because it's also a different way of writing completely. Mm -hmm. And having those research skills and having that analytic part of the mind tuned to something else has actually helped me to feel more creative in other ways. And I also remembered how to read again, like long form books, which sounds... I mean, I was always reading, but I think with the stress of the pandemic, it was really hard to read something longer than a tweet for a little while. My Mm -hmm. attention span was just shot. Mm -hmm. And having to read all of these articles, I mean, I read at least 100 pages a week. I'm sure you're reading a ton also. And I was still on top of that, then picking up a fiction book and picking up something reading for fun because that part of my brain got turned on again. And I remembered like being a little kid who stayed up all night with a flashlight under my covers (laughs) wanting to read. And I hadn't felt that part of me in a really long time. So that's been exciting, too, because one of the things that helps me want to make my own work is to ingest the work of other people and to, like, read and go look at visual art and watch a movie, but not something that's necessarily where I'm just zoning out, but that I have to engage with. And having to do all this reading and writing has really brought me back to that. It's like exercise that muscle again. Um, And I'm studying religious studies is my undergraduate. It's not the same as seminary, friends. This is like a scholarly approach to religion and history. And then my concentration is in nonprofit management. So I will be learning a few skills there that I also think are really useful for artists. So, you know, grant writing and, you know, how how to approach marketing in a nonprofit setting are all things that I think 
I wish I had learned in music business, you know, mm. because there's there's actually a lot of money out there for artists that we don't know how to access. So mm-hmm. being able to tap into that is a skill I'm really looking forward to. And I'm doing a lot of personal research right now on uh, moral panics. So the, the witch trials and satanic panic and QAnon. And it's all really exciting and obviously wholesome <laughs> stuff. <laughs> But it is. It's fun to see like these connections between things that are hundreds of years apart uh, yeah. that actually ultimately look quite similar to one another. And so it's fun to make those connections that I think only a creative person could do. And using my skills as a creative person to come to school with that and realize that like, oh, it's not that I was lost before and and failed at school. It's that now I am ready to do this. Like you said, like your life yes. has been leading up to this and all of the experiences that we've had over the decades and our experiences as writers and creative people are now strengths to come back to this with. So it's been really great. And my initial worries about being, you know, the oldest person in my class or whatever, are totally unfounded. Everybody's been great. And, you know, I'm here to say the kids are all right. Like all my <laughs> classmates are really wonderful people and really smart people. And I'm also not even the oldest person in a couple of my classes. So that's kind of nice too. Yeah. I have also really valued going back to school as an older student. And just to your point about the perspective that our creative brains bring to, you know, these, these disciplines that maybe have been kind of operating under a myopic lens for a long time, that everything is very you know, it's very cis, it's very white, it's very heteronormative. And like, well, what if we flip this on its side? What if we look at this from a non-hierarchical, you know, just bringing this different perspective that I didn't have that perspective at 20 and I have it now. And it's informing all of this work in a new way. And then just going back to another thing that you said about drawing inspiration from the work of others, like, yes, yes to that. And I think part of it for me is having all these experiences that live inside me that I just, I have a, I innately feel yet are hard to articulate. And then when I hear them articulated in a way that's like, oh, that, that's Mm -hmm. what I've been trying to say for 20 years or 10 years or whatever. And then that unlocks something in me that's like, oh, now I have what I needed. I needed that like special key to open this door and lead me to whatever the next the next thing is whether it's a song or you know the next creative project it's so that that's an exciting thing for me too and i'm always just so inspired by the things that really make my brain work <laughs> yeah well and speaking of brains working i think another thing that's been really valuable for me having this experience is that to go back to your theme of mental health i have adhd and anxiety and that's been a thing that was a problem for me with school before. And now that I'm an older person who has like some coping skills that I think really work for me, being able to go back to school with this new perspective, because I wasn't diagnosed when I was younger. And that was part of the reason that school was really hard. It was like, you know, and honestly, that everything was really hard, like Mm -hmm. sitting down to write something, organizing an album project, you know, showing up for stuff that I really wanted to do was really hard when I didn't know how my brain was wired and what my brain wanted to do and what my brain was naturally good at, but also the things where I needed a little boost, you know? So 
going back now with this perspective, it's like, oh, I get why people like this. (laughs) Like, oh, it's actually kind of fun. You know, I don't have to be here, too. There's that. It's like I'm paying to be here because I want to. And that absolutely changes the perspective. But dealing with ADHD as an artist is one of those things that is in some ways such a strength. I feel like people with ADHD brains make connections that other people don't make. We get Mm -hmm. super excited and passionate about stuff. The type of person who's always going to have six or seven projects going that seem totally disparate from one another, but to us, they're absolutely connected, you know? And in other ways, that means that those are six or seven plates we have to spin, like you were saying before, like, and we're not as good at keeping track of different plates at, at the same time. And so coming to peace with that and figuring out coping strategies for that has made me a better artist, a better student, you know, better at just like being a person through all of this. And I do see the strengths in it now where before it just felt like mostly a struggle, you know. So I'm excited to hear you talk to artists about how their mental health like impacts how they approach their work. Thank you. And same. Yeah, me too. And what you were saying was making me think about, you know, at this point in our lives and having been creative people for, you know, decades, let's face it, decades at this point, and having ridden the the cycles and the waves and getting more perspective on just the process. I'm, I'm curious if you could, I know this is kind of an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Looking ahead to your life, I'm wondering what you know, what vision, what intention, what, you know, how does this change your relationship or if it does at all to, to the way that you think about goals or what you want to do with your creativity? I love that question. I mean, it is an impossible question, but it's the kind that I really love because I always set like yearly themes and goals for myself, but they're not goals in the sense that a lot of people have like oh q1 or q2 i try to set these goals that are more experiential and are more about like what kind of person do i want to be in the world and that's the kind of dreaming that i love to do and for me i've realized that all of these disparate projects that i've always had like oh film and theater and voice stuff and audio drama and music and all of that stuff that feels really disconnected to other people i see the through line there which is about connecting to other people, which is about making people see themselves, making people feel recognized and cared about. And that's something that I'm going to keep as an overarching goal, no matter what I do. And that's the thing that ties all of those things together. So going forward, obviously, we'll be doing this podcast, but I'm looking at, at working with another podcast that talks about religious literacy and sort of bringing some public scholarship. I'm really interested in public scholarship. So that's research, doing all the academic research, but it's not geared toward other academics. It's geared toward the general public. I love podcasts that are super well-researched and and have all their facts straight and also can still be entertaining. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping my theater training will come into play there. I wish more podcast hosts had to take an improv class or an acting class before they <laughs> before they start. So if you're an aspiring podcast host listening, please go take an improv class. And just all of these things really kind of come together in a way that I could not have planned for. You know, there's there's goal setting, but the goal can change if mm-hmm. the if the why is the same for me. Mm-hmm. So it's not about like here are here are a list of things I want to accomplish. It's more like here's a list of ways I want to feel. Yes. And ways I want to exist in the world. And if I think I'm doing that, then I feel like I'm 
doing pretty well, you know? I love that. And it's, you know, similar for me at this point in my life. Like, I feel like I've stopped trying to envision what it is or like grasp onto this idea of how I think it should look or what I think it should be. Because inevitably, it's never that. It's Mm -hmm. never, you know, what you told yourself it needed to look like at a certain point in life. And, you know, even though maybe it's a broad goal or an idea like, yeah, I'd love to write a book someday. But it's like, I don't know, that book could be about a hundred different things, a thousand things. Like it could be about mental health. It could be completely fiction. It could be something else entirely. So it's, yeah, sure. That is still kind of a touchstone or something I want to do, but I'm not attached to how that comes about. I'm not going to force it. You know, it'll, when when the moment is right, I'll know it. And I'll know that that's the thing to do. And I'm not going to stress about it in the meantime, which is a new and lovely change of pace. (laughs) Yeah, and and so much is changing technology-wise and art-wise and the way things are delivered that, like, I think for a lot of us, the job, quote-unquote job project that you want may not even exist yet. Right. It might be something that's not in the world. I mean, if you told me 15 years ago that I would be recording a podcast remotely with a friend of mine, I'd be like, first, what's a podcast? But also, (laughs) how? That's Mm -hmm. not a that's not a job I would have written on my career goals in high school because it didn't exist. And like, here we are doing this thing and having this amazing conversation doing something that would not have been possible a few years ago. So maybe the next big thing for you, if you're listening, maybe it's not here yet. You know, maybe it's not possible yet. It doesn't exist yet. Maybe you're going to be the one to do it, you know? That's so exciting. That's what is so, gives me goosebumps about living in this time, that things are changing so quickly. And as as jarring as that can feel, I'm like, oh, you know, never feel like I, I know what I'm doing and I don't feel like I've caught up. It's like, it's fine. It's just fine. You know, you'll find the things that you're supposed to find. And I can trust that now. I can trust that what I'm meant to do, I will find it. And it will it will find me because it's also out there trying to find me. So I'm so excited to see just how it all unfolds. And and again, just trying to continually detach from expectation around what that is, quote unquote, supposed to look like. Absolutely. And I love that we get to watch each other unfold in this time that's really exciting for both of us and how things have changed and yet we're still the same people that we were and i think that like essence of you is still in there in everything that you're doing and i and i feel the same way about what i'm doing that it's it's not about read it's not about changing direction or becoming a different person it's about uncovering yes the person that you already are and how to make that more visible in the world. A phrase that keeps coming back to me, I've been in my head all week, is dormant DNA. You know, that when you meet these parts of yourself, you know, it doesn't seem strange or like some big left turn. It's like, oh, there you are. Oh, yeah. I've just been waiting. I've been waiting for this moment. And awesome. Like now we can go forward together. And I love this idea of parts of us that are just, just there waiting for the moment. I love that. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up this conversation. It's a beautiful sentiment. I'm so looking forward to hearing 
all of your episodes and maybe we'll get to interview each other again (laughs) in the future. That would be a lot of fun. And hopefully we get to write again soon. Absolutely. Well, it's always a joy, Juliana, and best wishes to you as you keep continue on with your program. And I'm so excited to hear everything that you're about to bring to the podcast. You too. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Established in 2017, Artist Soapbox is a podcast production studio based in North Carolina. Artist Soapbox produces original scripted audio fiction and an ongoing interview podcast about the creative process. We cultivate aspiring audio dramatists and producers, and we partner with organizations and individuals to create new audio content. For more information and ways to support our work, check out artistsoapbox.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The Artist Soapbox theme song is Ashes by Juliana Finch.